there has been a sense of maybe magnetism or energy or something that is kind of confusing and mysterious to me about her, but that also makes me excited. Yes, absolutely. And so things that came out of our visit um, felt like very much a follow-up on that. Um, I think Molly and her husband, James, um, being with us on starting on Sunday afternoon through sort of Monday afternoon, um, their, their time and our gathering felt worshipful to them. It felt exciting to them. They felt deeply, deeply welcomed. They, you know, were very effusive in their thanks for how much this community they felt just pulled them in and, and, and made them feel at home. Um, and so pretty much through that entire visit, we felt this sort of sense of confirmation. Um, you know, in her, she met with text teams, you know, the search committees, she met with lead team members, staff members, so many of you at the Jakes afterwards, and set a real a lot of positive interactions that, that left us to feel that this was a really good thing. So the follow, ultimate follow-up to that was um, a lead team meeting this past Monday. Um, where the search committee sort of presented our process and lead team as a whole, blessed um, inviting Molly into our community. And thanks in large part to your generous welcome, they were immediately and very immediately accepted and were very happy to become part of us. So now we're kind of looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, so Molly's going to be joining our staff, and it's a bit to be determined exactly what she's going to be doing with us, but we see a few possibilities, um, certainly dialogues, being on the stool, working with text team, pastoral care, shaping our liturgy, um, creating some intentional meeting spaces outside of the Sunday gathering for us to hear each other's voices, and speaking into our youth because um, we have middle schoolers coming soon in our community, and um, Molly has experience with that and would like to speak into that. Yeah, so in terms of transition, um, for those of you that didn't get this while, um, while she was here, they, her husband James is starting law school at UNC um, in sort of August 17th, 19th, somewhere in that, that range. Um, and that's one of the things that's bringing them here, though ultimately it was... Yeah, they were actually not planning to move to Durham or the Triangle until she Googled Lowland Home Faith and found a way on a website. So, but they are, he is still coming. That's a transition for them. Um, so, yeah, they're planning on moving to the area. She'll finish up at her current church in mid-August, and they're hoping to move here in late weeks of August. And we've asked her to make her first staff Sunday with us as the first Sunday at September. So... That's kind of what that timeline looks like. There'll probably be some opportunities for us, at least some of us, to help them move or, you know, some things, bodies on the ground type stuff as they get closer to that transition. So something else to look forward to. But we are very excited. They are very excited. And this feels like a beautiful end to what has been a really, yeah, overall a very beautiful process. So thanks for your part in that. And we're excited, yeah, to welcome her together. I think that is all I have, unless someone's come up with something else. Okay, so I'll invite Tim and uh, Skylar, Casey, if you'll lead us in our songs of preparation tonight. Thank you. Um, so moving on, we've got a song now for you called Wake Up Call. And uh, thanks again for having us. Mm-hmm. 
So next up, we've got a song called um, Dimming of the Day, which I think I've done at least once before here. Maybe other people have covered the song. It's from the uh, canon of Richard and Linda Thompson. It's from an album called um, Pour Down Like Silver. 
so much to Tim Carlos, Kyler, Casey. If you haven't yet discerned the theme of tonight, if you didn't already know what it was, hopefully you'd be able to pull it out of some of these selections that that Tim's put together tonight. This notion, we're going to be talking about our listening sessions. It's a process we've gone through as a community and we're looking to purposefully follow up on tonight. 
Um, and yeah, the sense that we have something to work out together, that our life as a community is built not on some grand vision that's passed down, but on the, the nuts and bolts of our life together and hearing our voices. And that's sometimes an unexpected thing, but that we find ourselves inevitably pulled together as a community, and that in and of itself is, is something of how we see the gospel working itself out. So that's where we're headed tonight. But before that, as we always do, um, I invite you to take some time to pass the peace of Christ to one another. Greet somebody you don't know, grab a snack, and we'll pull back together and start our dialogue in a few minutes. So I'll do the obligatory, I am not Tim, just in case everyone, yeah, everyone can recognize that. Um, I think there's a soccer, a very well-earned soccer banquet in his family life tonight, which is why he's not with us. But um, that, regardless of that, um, I, I'm excited to sort of lead us into, into I don't know, something that's it's come out of a process, but it also feels like it's headed somewhere. It feels, feels like one of another of many moments of transition we've had in the last two or three years of Emmaus Way. And the summer is always kind of that for us, with folks coming and going, et cetera, et cetera. But um, particularly in the last couple of years, and particularly this summer, it feels like that's this sense of moment. Um, we've talked a lot about this being a 10-year mark for Emmaus Way somewhere. I have no idea where the actual date is. We just keep talking about it. But this is the 10th year. Um, and, you know, in the last two to three years of that, we've had sort of this these cascading transitions that we've gone through. And it's always felt like this moment of things about to happen. And that's meant staff changes. I think we've said goodbye to a key staff member each summer in the last three summers. Um, And it involved a process for us at looking at maybe being another space and like re-realizing what reality as a space meant to us. And just recently, and as we just announced, pursuing a successful open pastoral hire, which is something that we had not really done as a community. Um, and just overall, this a sense of exploring and confirming and reimagining who we are um, as, as a community together. And so some of the things, or one of the many things that might have, you could say, framed this transition was listening sessions. Um, in the fall, summer, fall um, of, of 2012, our then-pastor Dan Rhodes sort of spearheaded this process, led us into this. It was something that it was deeply... Um, aligned with Emmaus Way, but I don't know if it's something we'd done specifically as a practice before. Um, but it, um, it, it had, we saw it have a substantial impact on our community life and our mission, um, and it gave us the sense of moving into a different space as a community and moving forward into new things. And I think that's a process that we hope we've repeated um, in the last several months together, in May and June, um, under the leadership of SK and Emily and, lead, and our lead team um, have held this process again. And um, groups of co-ministers in small groups and in some small groups that aren't small groups, um, quote-unquote, um, people have met together, and you have met together with each other, and we've talked about discerning where our community feels and senses life and seeking out ways to live into that. So all of that sort of builds into, in my, in my sense, this idea of transition and culmination for Emmaus Way, of heading into a new space um, that we've been sort of working our way up towards for a while. So tonight, um, we're beginning to process together, we hope, what we've heard 
and discern how our communal listening to each other should live itself out in communal and collective response. Um, and that feels really continuous with a lot of things. But if I give an outline for tonight, we wanna, I want to try and say, well, listening sessions, if this is new to you, if this process, you weren't around for this last process, what do they mean to us? And how does a listening session work itself out in a Emmaus way? Why do we do them? Where do we see it going? How does it drive us forward as a community? Um, to present some really clear themes that emerged from um, the sessions we just had together. And then maybe to kind of begin a conversation together about how to follow through on where we've heard life springing up in our community and where we feel invited together as a community. So, in terms of why we do listening sessions, I mean, why? As a church, as anything, why would you do them? There's a huge influence for us um, of Durham Can and the IEF organizing, organizing Model Industrial Areas Foundation is sort of the umbrella organization that Durham Can, as a local political <coughs> advocacy group, lists, exists under. Um, and Durham Can has been a partnership for us, a formative one, since very early on. Um, they, you know, have accomplished really exciting things in the recent past and um, getting more just policing in Durham and fighting for living wages in Durham, this sort of building advocacy around core issues that aren't partisan but are, but are justice-oriented. So organizing is a process that IEF believes strongly in. That's the core of what they do. They work on kind of a cycle. Every couple of years, they do community-wide listening sessions throughout Durham within their constituency. We actually did one at Emmaus Way in March um, as a community that fed into that broader process. And out of that, Durham can will identify themes. And once they identify themes, then they start building collective actions of organized people around the issues that have emerged from listening sessions. So it's a really good way of doing business just, just because but also it resonates a lot with who we are as a community. And so some of the ways that that seemed true in the past is, you know, we're an organic community. We say that a lot. We talk about being co-ministers with each other. We talked about being shaped and defined. We change based on every person that enters or leaves the community. So this idea of having a, a grassroots process of listening to each other and building our action out of that is a really significant thing for who we are. Um, our, for us, the idea that individual voices or investments in our community are the substance of what Emmaus Way is, that's, that feels like a strong resonance with this idea of listening sessions. And there's also a sense that some things that we believe about what the gospel is, how God's at work in the world, resonate really strongly with this listen session model. Just a few are, you know, we, we talk a lot, particularly in our missional partnerships, about God's work in the world not being something that we create or we author, but it's something that we're called to seek out and then participate in. Um, we, we sort of encounter and come to recognize God at work in each other's voices and our gathered life as a community. And we find ourselves listening for where the Spirit is moving in our lives and our community. And that's the thing that sort of allows us to see where the kingdom might be breaking forth and where God might be at work. So for all those reasons, listening sessions feel like a really process that resonates pretty thickly with what Emmaus Way is. And so that's maybe still pretty abstract. So to take it down to the really specific, we thought, I thought, we thought as a text team that we might put out a specific example. Last time in 2012, we had listening sessions and things came out of that. And we thought we might share one of those. And so one that really stood out um, in that reflection was 
Um, one of the things people said in the 2012 listing sessions was the idea that we wanted to strengthen our community's connection to mission. From the beginning, Emmaus Way has always had these missional partnerships. Um, again, places we would find other people doing God's work in the community and go join them in that work and build partnerships with those organizations. Um, and so having some of those from the very beginning, we'd seen them evolve in that you know, seven-ish years between our starting our community and, and those listening sessions. And we wanted to say, well, maybe there's some new things that we could get into missionally. Maybe there's things, there's passions that have assembled in our community that would drive us into different partnerships. And one of the things we heard was just a real sense that we wanted to be more involved with marginalized voices in Durham. And, and one particular interest was with prisoners and ex-offenders. Um, and we had some people all along, uh, Travis Green, for those of you who have been around long enough to know him, who's moved on down to do um, yeah, chaplaincy in Florida. Um, Brett Fox was someone who was already starting to think about what prison ministry might look like and what it might look like to live alongside of, of people who find themselves caught up in the criminal justice system. Um, at some point in there, the pub group went through the new Jim Crow and looked at this very systemic sort of look at the ways in which our criminal justice system has disenfranchise very particular people groups, particularly black people in America. And we had some long-term connections with Antioch Baptist Church, and they had a transitional house, so there's a lot of resonance there. Um, but we were looking for a way to give that some concrete form. And so a group of interested folks um, started exploring a partnership with the Religious Coalition for Nonviolent Durham. And if you don't know much about this group, they have kind of a two-pronged ministry, one is around holding vigils for um, families of people that have been recently killed in Durham. There are unfortunately way, way too many of those instances, but that's something that they do. They go, to, they go gather people around that are part of the coalition, churches, community people, and basically just express lament, regret, acknowledge what has happened in a person's life being taken away in our community. And the other side of that is that religious coalition forms together faith teams around ex-offenders, people who have been violent offenders are coming out of incarceration and trying to make this really incredibly difficult transition that's made so much harder by some of the societal barriers we put in place. And so building a faith team around those folks that says, we are people of faith who want to form a relationship with you and somehow try and ease this process, not by fixing your problems, but by being alongside of you as you're trying to do this difficult thing. And so on both sides of that, just acknowledging the humanity that exists on both sides of a, a very difficult issue. So some steps that we took to do that, we had um, some groups that attended a faith team training. We met this amazing woman, woman Marsha Owen, um, who's the head of Religious Coalition. She came and spoke in one of our summer gatherings, I think, that during that following year. Um, and then we assembled a group of volunteers for a faith team. And we sort of waited around for Marsha to pair us with a partner. Um, and there was just some really beautiful outcomes of that process. I have a list here, but I wasn't actually on the faith team. Does someone that's on it want to share maybe a little bit, Brett or Sarah or somebody, about like what that process was like and what it felt like to live through that as a, as a group? You don't have to do that. This is on the spur of the moment. A little, a little on the spot. I mean, I just, I really enjoyed getting to know Lawrence. Like, we, I mean, a lot of we talked with Joe, we lucked out a lot. Like, I mean, 
I don't think every faith team member, like, person coming out of incarceration is like Lawrence, and you'll see Lawrence here at church. Like, that doesn't ever happen. Like, that, and this is, speaks, I think, something like the rest of you as well in our community, is that, like, Lawrence and his girlfriend Lori felt so, like, warmly welcomed here that they chose to come here as their church and still do. And, like, Marcia said, like, that has never happened. Um, but just being able to journey with someone and to help help them keep a little bit of a direction and to, you know, learn from them what life is like, um, you know, coming out of prison and what the and what the struggles are and, um, you know, sharing a meal with them and just um, being in friendship. It wasn't like, and he was, he was amazing. One of the best things I remember about him and think about him the most is that he would ask us questions. Like, we'd be sitting in, you know, and like, you know, and Katrina wouldn't have said anything for a while. And he'd be like, hey, Katrina, how... How are you doing? Or you know, like, it's like, wait, what? Like, what's going on here? And he was—he was very intentional about like making sure, like, you know, everyone in the group was sharing, and we were all—he was kind of pulling us in as well. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Brett. Anybody else? I mean, so I, some of this is like observation from afar, but it's just, yeah, Lawrence was such a delightful person to be around and to see him here in our community on a week-to-week basis, it felt like um, it built this embodiment and this engagement around a challenging reality. I mean, we are so conditioned to fear um, people that have been incarcerated, particularly violent offenders, and to see just this completely transfiguration of that in our experience, it, it was... I feel, it felt really powerful, not just for the people on their faith team, but extends outward quickly to our to our broader community and our gathering together each week. Um, and so I feel like, and actually, I mean, this is a, the follow-up to this is now there's a second faith team in place populated by Emmaus Way people plus Lawrence. Um, so, like, there's no, there's no better out, you know, outflowing of process than that. So just this incredibly exciting thing that came from some people in our community saying, couldn't we find a way... To, find, to build a partnership and to, to build our lives around some people that are really different than us. So some themes that I'd like to pull out of that that I think you know, resonate really strongly with this listening session idea, again, it merged, this is something that emerged from the passions and visions of Emmaus Way's co-ministers. It wasn't a Tim idea. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't, I mean, some people had a passion, and people gathered around that passion, and there were beautiful results. It opened participation in kingdom work that was already underway in Durham. We weren't the first ones to start a faith team. We joined a long list of congregations that had already done faith teams. We became part of a kind of movement doing this work in Durham. There was a collective listening that bred collective response. We didn't ask someone to go and start a faith team for us. We heard a desire to do it, and a group went out and collectively did it. Um, and in so many ways, that invitation bred more invitation. Um, people who had the idea to people to join the faith team, the faith team to Lawrence. Lawrence, as Brett says, to the entire community, sort of inviting us into relationship with him, and then on to a, a second faith team. So that's kind of a really tangible example of how something that started in listening sessions bore itself out in our community over a long period of time and continues to be a part of our community. We will never be the same because of that idea that was shared and the way it was lived out. So that brings us maybe with a little bit more 
tangible framework to the listening sessions we just had. And I think a lot of you were there in those, some of you weren't, but we'll throw out the questions that um, were sort of carefully crafted. I think SK brought this beautiful contemplative sensibility to this process this time, and that was really present in the questions that, that we were asking each other and responding to together. So I just wanted to kind of read those. The first one was, where do you feel most alive in your personal journey of mission, practice, worship, community, justice, work, or being in the world? Where do you feel most alive in the life or activities of Emmaus Way? How might Emmaus Way support you, participate with you, co-create with you more fully in the place you shared as feeling most alive personally or in our community? And then flowing out of those places, what do you hope will be or continue to be a part of Emmaus Way going forward in the near term and in the next five to 10 years? So those are the questions we asked. Um, and we heard some really exciting things. We had a meeting just earlier this week. I was there, SK was there, Caleb and Lindsay and Joy and Brandon and Susan Jakes and Amanda. And so people that had led these listening sessions got together and we sort of pooled our notes and we said, all right, what did, what did we hear? And there were several striking things about the results. And you, there were probably a lot of striking things, but I'm trying to thematize them a little bit. So we felt like there were these exciting glimpses of life and vitality in our community. Asking that question in that way brought this really thick sense of what energizes and draws people to Emmaus Way, what people find exciting and what keeps them here and makes them excited to call this their community. There was, it recalled at least to me, and I think we talked about this a little bit, this idea of perichoresis. Um, it, I went back to a Josh Butchman podcast from <laughs> September um, that is a great, great, like, five-minute explanation of that if you want to follow up on it. But it's this idea that sits at the center of this icon we put up every week this, um, that represents the members of the Trinity sitting around an empty bowl. And perichoresis or is a Greek term that is sort of, you could roughly translate it as the dance of God. It gets called that a lot. And so the idea is that the members of the Trinity are continually pushing each other out and unseating each other from the center. And that there is no sole head of the Godhead, but they, in this continual relational flow, push and pull outward, and it creates energy, and it creates life, and it creates vitality. And that's the core of what we believe God is, and it has a lot to say about how we as a community conduct ourselves. So there are so many ways in these listening sessions you heard this thing, and you heard this other thing, and you say, well, how do those things get along? And then you, heard, you see this theme coming together, but within this really strong theme, there's these tensions that don't really fit. But when you start to think about that in perichoresis, and we talked about this a lot in our identity series in the fall, a lot of the things that bind a mass way together are things that push against each other. And so we find ourselves being pulled into the center and pushed out from the center, and we attach our imagination to something, and someone else attaches their imagination to a different thing, but those things don't have to live in a scarce world where they can't be the same and to, or together as part of one. So yeah, that idea felt, felt really significant. I think you'll see that as we sort of try and trace out some of these themes. And then another thing was just, there was this palpable sense of being on the cusp as a community. Um, that we've had so many things we were talking about were things that we've had a taste of that excited us 
and left us longing for more of those things. And so I think all of those are things that we'll see. I tried to sit down and group those around four themes. Um, None of those are monolithic, but definitely all these are broadly and deeply shared in the community. I hope you'll hear some of your voice in them because so many of the things we talked about, the vast majority of them could sit under one of these somewhere. So we want to give you a sense of what we heard and invite you into the work of responding together. So this is less a time tonight of like proposing specific actions. We heard this, we're going to do that. And more a time of saying like, well, where are we as a community? Let's name that and let's sit in that and let's listen to each other in that. So four themes. The first one, storytelling and relationships. We are energized by telling and hearing individual stories, and these create hunger for more stories. We need and we find ourselves longing for authentic relationships that emerge through that kind of stick storytelling. We are looking to find real connections between our individual stories and our community identity, who we are as Emmaus Way, fitting with the diversity of who we are as individuals. So I'm going to do this with all these themes. I'm asking someone that seemed to have a particular comment that spoke to that. They can't sum up all of that, but maybe give some specific voice to, to this particular theme. Joy, I think I asked you to talk a little bit about this one. In our uh, small group, we heard a lot about people wanting to hear stories, wanting to understand better where people, people's life had been like and how that connected to Emmaus. Um, and also people that came and spoke about maybe their passion, their ministry, wanting to have more in-depth understanding of who that person really is and what what created that passion in them for, for whatever it is they're passionate about, but to not just touch it on the surface, but to go a little bit deeper and find out just really what what created that in them. And as we get to know one another better, um, it helps to to understand community when we really understand where someone's coming from and what they've been through and. Um, that was, that was a big part of what we talked about. Thank you, Joy. So some of the like things that, that spun out around that, people are, a lot of people are really excited about this. This is not a new thing to Emmaus Way, but it's something that if you like this, you don't have to look far for somebody else that likes this. Um, there's so many avenues where we're already doing this, and people would love to do more in our Sunday gatherings. People like to hear more in different voices, in small groups, in daily interactions, in shared meals. Um, this sense of, yes, let's get below the surface and below the surf- superficial. And overall, that like we want to have a sense of belonging, not just for me, but a sense of belonging that's tied up in who you are, right? I belong here because I know you so well and you know me so well and we belong here together. So that was something that was a really strong theme. A second one, I'm calling empowerment and engagement. So some of where that seemed to be headed was we deeply value the missional and the political orientation of Emmaus Way. We are wondering about how to make those community commitments to political activism and, and to mission 
we want to make those a more integral part of our daily lives in, in specific ways that maybe aren't about broad-based solutions. We want to feel empowered and invited into deeper engagement in our community and missional life. I think we had a couple of people that could maybe speak to this. Whitney, you were one of those people. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, that sense of being invited, that never feels bad to me. It always feels good. Yeah. Um, Brandon, I think you were going to share on behalf of somebody. Uh, my wife, Media, is in Arizona right now, but um, she shared a, a very similar story. Um, and this was common to our listening group, to several folks, uh, that were longing to connect somehow and found that their first moments of feeling like they were connecting was through contributing something, some kind of stakeholder. In her case, uh, earlier this year, I made his way formed a finance and personnel team to think more strategically about our budget and to facilitate conversation with staff. And she was invited to be a part of that. She felt like that, in particular because it engaged uh, sort of her educational background and her skills and the way that she likes to think, which is organizational and structural and uh, planning, uh, that she felt valued and she felt for the first time after us being here for, for a few years that like she was really getting to connect through that process of contributing. Thanks. So yeah, that's both of those, this, yeah, this one felt really broad and it, you could, those were definitely key things. This idea of, I, I want to feel invited, right? I, I, want, I want to do things, but I feel like maybe it would feel better to me if, if someone invited in, me into that. And this idea that just in general, not just inside the community, but in the things we're doing missionally, how can I find a way to connect? Like, I love that we're involved with Durham Can, but how do I find a way into that? What would that look like? Or, like, is there, are there ways that... You know, missional partnerships could be structured such that there were more episodic opportunities to plug into them, all that, all that sort of stuff. So, moving on to maybe a third theme, and this one resonates pretty strongly with number two in some ways. Um, there was this real value and respect for both substance of our community life and conversation, but also a desire for diversity in that. So, some statements there. We value the diversity and the substance of our community dialogue. We don't like having to hide our questions, and we like we can engage difficult topics. 
but we want space within that to hear voices that we don't often hear. And we'd like to create spaces to hear voices that we're not hearing very well right now. And as part of that, we long to embrace and expand our diversity. And that's the voices we hear and the voices we accommodate in our community and in the ways that we might engage with our community. And then finally, we'd like our community to be a space that interrupts our cultural captivity, this, the, the narrative that we get from the market or the world about the way things are. We'd like our community to be a place where that is turned upside down and we are shaken up in that somewhat. So I think, Wendy, you were going to share maybe a little bit about this. Oh, that's fine. There's some of the diversity we're talking about. Because I've spin off of that. Yeah, this idea of diversity, it, absolutely a number of people said, listen, it's, it's uncomfortable to us the way in which we are, we are this markedly white community. And like, I think to me, I hear like, yeah, our, our communal space is white because my individual life is so white. Like, like, what would it look like for this space to interrupt or at least, you know, draw us into different practices that would more reveal the, the ways we're living into that whiteness in our everyday life. But then also people are talking about diversity of how, how do people engage with our community? You know, is our community a safe space for introverts? If I want to come and have a contemplative experience on Sunday, or maybe I don't want to meet like seven new people, I, I feel kind of oppressed, but wow, like that starts to look really interesting is how this space, okay, yeah. Absolutely. I'm just merely an observer. I just go to churches and observe. I, I do agree on what she says. But when, my wife asked me how was the church. I said it was pretty white. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she's not one. And so with that, I, I, if I can merely sort of shift to what you had said, the marketplace does a better job than the church. You know, uh, most of the downtown churches, especially the traditional churches, Lord God, if we had a black person come into a white church, or a black, uh, a white come into a black church, it's chaotic. I know this in Europe, you feel the tension. But what does it look like if an introvert or an extrovert or non-intellectual intellectual comes in um, from that standpoint? Because what I see is this, I'll do, I'm from Florida, and I see this Kumbaya, we go to Hades, it's close by, they had the earthquake, but Lord, have a Haitian live beside me. Is just, um, you know, and I heard one of the top, I'm not going to name this person, because a black person was building a house beside them, and it's a huge mission church organization, was called 
she decided to talk to a friend of mine. And I was like, didn't think that the paycheck was had from day one. He ordained that guy. Because he makes his money off that. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm here. But, but what does it look like? We would do you kumbayas overseas, but we, we can't even have what physically looks the same. Well, not, we can't even have them just living or, or having a meal, but the, the market does a better job. But yet at the same time, like the church, uh, you know, still the most segregated, the greatest, one of his uh, top selling just uh, hip hop music. I don't know if y'all into hip hop, but I, but, uh, I mean, he just bashed on that still. After MLK, we still have this kind Yeah. As a church, as a culture, we constant reminders of like, not not just that this is an issue, but you know, in a community like this, there's a tangible absence of some things, and and those diversity can be one of those things. So yeah, moving forward to maybe a fourth theme, and this one it could resonate with any of the other three. In some way, it's like a really good umbrella for all of them. Um, but it was something that got mentioned a number of times in different ways. We're looking for ways forward into the kingdom. We desire to find paths through deconstruction and into reconstruction of a vital faith. And that's not to say that those two things are entirely different. I think you've got to Josh Bessem again. There's something about deconstruction. Those two are tied up with each other as processes. But sometimes we have the sense that well, maybe we're getting stuck in that deconstructive mode and not making our way into a more constructive space around our faith. And then, relatedly, we're eager to see our community dialogue and reflection, things that we're really good at, drive us forward in pursuit of the kingdom into action. Um, and for all these things, storytelling, relationships, diversity, engagement in the community and in mission, all those things are ways that we could move forward, but we find ourselves, it seems sometimes the community listing in, in that forward motion. So yeah, I think, Caleb, could you talk a little bit about what you heard in your group on this? Sure, yeah, so it's, I think we've heard a little bit about it, just so much, especially in the United States, so much hurt and so much divisiveness and so much misunderstanding is perpetuated in the name of Jesus. And, and it, it's a painful thing to see sometimes. And so it would be a, a this was a, a theme that came out of our listening sessions. It would be a beautiful thing to, 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 as we deconstruct why these hurts are happening and the theology, the mistaken theology and mistaken practices behind it, it would be a beautiful thing to begin to construct an image of what it really means to follow Christ and, and just make his name not a hurtful thing and a thing that conveys the hope and the joy that he that he's supposed to bring to the world. Um, and that it would be great to do this as we continue to be who Emmaus Way has been. It's just an open, hospitable community for everyone. Thank you, Caleb. So those are four themes, and you heard some individual voices speaking out of those themes. Again, you would not have to go far to hear much more thickly and specifically, I keep using the word thick, um, about how those things are bubbling up in a community and ways that people feel those things. 
But I want to take us a little bit, with the very little time we have left, to try and begin a response around these things. And in listening to those themes, I hope you feel, like I feel, this overwhelming sense of invitation in this real and beautiful way. These listening sessions seem to reveal how much we as individuals and as a community together are inviting each other into a fuller realization of what Emmaus Way can be and what the kingdom in our midst might look like. And that sense of communal invitation is a new thing for us, but, but there is this sense of like, wow, like we asked and we listened and we love the things we're doing and we wish that there's a sense of cuspness that could we just get a little bit further into that thing. So we wanted to propose a couple of questions. I think we'll start, as we did in the listening sessions, with a brief moment of silence. You know, collect your thoughts around these two questions. The first is, where have you felt most able to follow through on a personal sense of invitation into the life and a mission of Emmaus Way? And how's that been significant for you? And where have you felt unable to follow your own sense of invitation into the life of this community? And what seems to have prevented that second and that second thing, and how has that felt? So where have you felt able to follow through? Where have you felt blocked in following through? Let's take like maybe 30 seconds of silence, and then I'll ask you guys to speak to each other a little bit about this. Sure. So in the listening sessions, we talked about the sense of, you know, let me go back to the questions, which were more clear than mine. Um, the idea was, where do you feel most alive in your personal journey of mission, practice, worship, community, justice? We're all feeling those things. We want this community to be a space where we can live that out. Where does it feel like that's happened and worked well? Where does it feel like there's been blockage to that? And yeah. So maybe it's 30 seconds of silence before we talk to each other a little bit. So you don't have to go far. You turn to the person next to you or reflect yourself, if you're more of an introvert person, about, about those two questions. What, what comes out of that for you? And we'll call back in a, maybe two or three minutes. So I'm going to very cruelly ask you to finish up kind of the comment you're having. Our good conversation is left to lack of time. But before we bring our folks back into confession and absolution, our musicians lead us into that, just say that like this conversation is this is the beginning of a conversation about how to move forward. I said tonight this is not action items time. There'll be plenty of opportunities and efforts to take these shared dreams that we've heard and we're talking about here tonight and bring them into reality. But I hope that we leave this process and hearing from each other and you'll continue to hear from each other and build the sense that more than ever, the reality of how our fondest visions of Emmaus Way emerge, it begins with each of us, it ends with each of us, it implicates all of us. When 
invitation can be followed, it's because we're following it and we're giving space for other people to live into it. When that doesn't happen, we're the people who help that not to happen. So the 10 years of our life together have bound us into this uncommonly beautiful space, and it's something that clearly we're all excited by and excited about living into. So I hope you'll feel invited in the coming weeks um, to talk together about the becoming of our community and how each of us plays a part in that and building a fuller vision of what the kingdom of God is here in our midst. So thanks, guys. You come back. Sorry. I'll keep vamping then. (laughs) A couple of ways that I think we could definitely see this going forward. Any person of lead team would be glad to stand with you in these things, to talk with you about these things, um, to co-create with you in this. I would be happy to talk with you about this, imagine with you in this, talk to each other about these things. We have a lot of conversating to do, yet the listening isn't entirely over. You see, I stole his stand. That was a poor invitation on my part. So again, uh, thank you very much for having, having us here. We're, we're very grateful to be here today and for the support that Emmaus Way gives uh, a, a, a growing community of musicians each week. And um, we're now going to play a song for you from the Waterboys. Um, the Waterboys is one of those bands that's essentially one person who has a revolving cast of musicians around him. This guy called Mike Scott, uh, originally from Scotland, has been living in mostly in Ireland for the last 20 years. Um, but after a, a, um, a dramatic uh, chapter in his life, he retreated to a community that some of you may already know about in Scotland, the Findhorn community up in the the Highlands, which is sort of a spiritual retreat of that's not aligned with any particular um, doctrine, or and you get people from all over, all over the place hanging out there. And he wrote this song there. In fact, he went back and recorded this song and eleven other songs, which made up an album called The Universal Hall uh, at Findhorn, uh, Findhorn in the Universal Hall, which is the, the performance hall there. And it's called The Christ in You.
Thank you. Um, if, if the Waterboys music's new to you and you, um, and you and were drawn in any way to that, I, I, I urge you to seek out an album called The Fisherman's Blues. Um, anyway, um, with me this evening, if, uh, on contrabass, Mr. Casey Top. On keys and vocals, Skylar Gudas. My name's Tim Carlos. And uh, we'd like to finish off with a song from uh, one of my favourite songwriters, uh, Nick Cave, who... Um, I think of Nick Cave all the time, um, 
but particularly this week, there's, if um, mm. there's been some awful news come through from from England, uh, one of his sons was uh, tragically tragically died in an accident this week. So, um, yeah, I've been thinking about him. And uh, again, if you, if this is if upon hearing this, if you like it and you want to uh, investigate Nick's music, this is from an album called The Boat Boatman's Call. Thanks again. Oh, 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 oh,
So, listening sessions, I'm going to make you listen to me uh, for just a couple of minutes. Um, since I didn't get to sing tonight, you're going to have to hear from me this way instead. Um, I remember, um, just, to, just to tell a story, um, since that was one of the things that emerged uh, in the listening sessions, was the idea of story and the idea of what brings us here and what histories we bring with us and what is it that brought me here, what is it that brought you here. Uh, what is it about this place that was a unique fit? For me, I remember I first showed up at Emmaus Way in, in the summer of 2006. Uh, so that was a while ago. And I think that was like our second year as a community. I showed up and, and I, I was kind of going through a lot in my life at the time and, and uh, was looking for sort of a new place that I might belong. Um, w- was hoping to find a community uh, that would offer me some hope because I wasn't really seeing a whole lot in my life uh, at that moment, or that whole year or so of my life, in fact. And I remember one of the things I was most struck by early on was the thing that we're about to do, which is uh, to encounter God at the table together. And one of the things that was so weird about it, to me at least, was that I had come from a couple of different religious traditions where the Eucharist or um, communion or whatever you wanted to call it in whatever denomination you were a part of. Part of it was was like this, you know, solemn kind of a thing with introspection and you're supposed to think about, uh, you know, the ways that you've encountered God this week or um, the ways that maybe God has encountered you this week and to be thinking about those things very, very hard and very intently, you know, as you're holding on to that that piece of bread or or gripping that cup of wine and and Mayas Way did it very, very differently, and we still do. Uh, it's, a, it's a louder uh, sort of thing. It's a, a more joyful sort of thing. It's, it's not a, a sort of inward contemplative thing, okay? Not that you can't do that yourself, but, but it's a lot louder. We do it differently. And I remember one of my early questions being sort of like, I, I don't know exactly why we do that. I was a little uncomfortable with that early on. But what I came to see over time was that this was was its own kind of holiness. This was its own kind of separateness. This was its own special sort of moment that happens 
And I think we saw that reflected tonight in some of the stories that were coming out of the listening sessions, is that somehow this weird sort of thing happens here at this space, and it happens in this way that we encounter one another. Um, We just sang the song that I'm going to look twice at you. I'm going to look to see the Christ in you. There is this thing that sort of happens when we break bread for one another, saying the body of Christ broken for you, and when we pour wine or juice for one another and say this is the blood of Christ shed for you, that somehow this intimate meeting with one another in conversation here, this sharing of ourselves, this sharing of life with one another, that somehow that is infused with the Spirit, that somehow that is actually more than what it appears. And so as I invite us tonight to this table together, it will be to say that this really is where we begin encountering one another. This really is where we begin listening to each other's stories. This really is where we begin inviting one another into our lives, even when it's painful to do so, uh, even when it's sort of a bizarre week that we might be sharing with one another. So that's where I want to invite us. Um, I want to recognize that this isn't This isn't like what it always looks like at different churches. We do it in a unique way. But my prayer is that this unique way tonight will be a way of us entering into this worship together. So welcome the children back in. We're glad to have them here as part of our community too. They bring sort of part of the life and energy and noise to this whole thing together. So we practice an open table at Emmaus Way. That means that everybody is welcome. If you are here and present and hearing my voice, you are welcome to this table. We would love to have you all. So come now, break bread for one another, pour wine or juice for one another. Body of Christ broken for you, blood of Christ shed for you.